Oh, well, hey there, everybody. It's me, Chris Graham, and your good friend, Mark Abrams. Mark, how are you doing today, buddy? This music puts me in a really good mood. I know, right? Yeah. It's like, it's cool, but it's also like, I feel like I should have a cigar and like a a silk robe on or something. That's way cooler because mine's more quirky. Like, you can see me right now. I'm just bouncing up and down. <laughs> like, if I had one of those like springy chairs. <laughs> I love it. Well, dude, guys, welcome to the show. Today, we're going to talk some more about how to mix and master faster. And look, we need to talk about some stuff that that is going to sound boring at first. And I'm not sure how to convince you ahead of time that it's not going to be boring, but this is essential. It's essential to grasp the topic of today's episode. You probably already know what it is because we probably put it in the title, but it's about organization. And here's why we need to talk about organization. Every system in the world is based on consistency of input that generally speaking, everything happens in the same way, all of your stuff is in the same place, and that you are like a soldier, that you are at the ready with your equipment, with your files, with your software, with all of the things that you need so that you can respond quickly to your own creativity, your own flow state needs, and the flow state needs of other people. You can't like be like, okay, man, you sound so much better if you're using a this different microphone. Hold on, let me go in the back room and see if I can find that microphone. I think I got it underneath the igloo cooler. Wait, you know what? Let me set up all of my vocal microphones, and then you go down each one, and then I'll do some processing, and we'll see which one sits best in the track. Yeah. I don't care that you're inspired and want to record a good song right now and that you're emotional about uh, your daddy issues, but first of all, the most important thing when you do is pick a microphone. But like, whoa, dude, okay, okay, okay. So on this one, I can hear that really gross thing you do in the back of your throat. So let's not use that one. Let's use yeah. one that doesn't pick up all the nasty But make sure you stay you. self-conscious about that on these next microphones. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, like, sorry that <laughs> took like three hours, but uh, let's do some tracks. All right. Yeah, yeah. So there's so much that you need to do to be at the ready to maximize creativity. And, and here's the thing. Here's the quote that I, I really want to share with you guys again. I think I mentioned this last episode, but I don't remember. And this is, this is like a hobby podcast. This is fun. We're nerds, and we're just going to talk yeah. about this stuff. Henry Ford, the OG of systems, the guy that invented the assembly line, or at least gets credit for inventing the assembly line, he says, and I'm going to paraphrase mightily to apply this to our, our audience here, he says that if you have a task that you do again and again and again and again, and that task could be 10% more efficient if you automated or systemized different parts of it, not the whole thing, just a bits and pieces of it, that as a result of not systemizing it, of holding off on like, well, we'll figure out how to do that more efficiently later, every time you do that task, you pay an inefficiency tax in time or money. Yeah, we need some kind of crazy sound effect (laughs) for that because an inefficiency tax... Yeesh. Maybe we should have an inefficiency tax alert on this podcast. Oh, that's perfect. Okay, let me think about that. We'll come back to that later. I'll, I'll try to find a really um, not annoying sound effect because we're audio engineers. Anyways, we're going to talk <laughs> about how to get more efficient and how to get faster so that you can pay less inefficiency tax. So let's talk about organization. And again, organization is the bedrock of systemization. No, organization is the foundation of systemization. Ooh. Ooh. Copyright. Chris well, Graham. There you go. 2021. <laughs> organization is the is the foundation of systemization. It's very true. You need to have stuff be the same 
in order for you to systemize it. Perfect example is my mouse is on the right side of my keyboard. I keep it on the right side of my keyboard because that's where I'm going to need it. I don't store it in a closet somewhere. I keep it out and at the ready because I'm not like worried about, oh, it's going to get dusty or no, no. It doesn't matter. So that's a perfect example that we all do. We are already doing this in some ways, but there's often blind spots, system blind spots where you don't recognize that you're inefficient in certain ways. So we're going to talk about three different areas of organization. We're going to talk about in a recording studio, which will apply to any physical space that you're working. We're going to talk about your computer. So that could be your recording software, your file system, your uploading system, your downloading system, all of that stuff. And we're going to talk about your communication systems. And again, we know that the only reason you're listening to this podcast is because you don't have enough time. So we're going to be pretty quick about it. So let's first of all, let's talk about the recording studio. Mark, you are friends with, it seems like virtually every famousy person in this world. What are some things that you have seen in their studios that you've thought, wow, that's a good idea. That's really efficient. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, I'm so lucky to be able to see those things. I thought of a good one. Sunset Sound, they have four studios all around this complex, and in the center of it is a basketball court. So there's like a courtyard that you have to go across to get from one studio to the other. The mic locker is in the lounge area, which is at the front of the complex. Studio A is attached to that lounge, but none of the other studios are. So you have to you have like a ways to go, right? And even Studio A is a fairly long hallway to get down to the live room. If you forget a mic, you're in, in a hurry, you're running down the hallway to go get it. This is so basic, but it kind of blew my mind when we were there. The engineers had these plastic, not milk crates, but let's just say it's a milk crate with a handle on it. It's not, but like, like a shopping a, bag. Like shop, yeah, 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 a yeah, shopping like when you go to crate. The, yeah. The shopping. yeah, it's a market. So basically like a shopping crate. And they this is so basic, but they would fill up the baskets with everything that they needed to bring into the live room, and then they would go over, you know, like two hand in these baskets to get over there and put it down. That I get like people are probably rolling their eyes and or turning the podcast off right now. But I, I have a, a studio in Columbus here. The live room is a thousand square feet, and then the vocal booth is on the other side of the control room. You know, kind of imagine you're in the live room. Our mic locker is at the far end of the live room. So you have to walk all the way across the live room, then walk all the way through the control room to get over to the booth and do whatever you got to do in there. Mm. So when you get in there and you realize, I forgot a mic cable, it's a long trip back. So anyway, I came back from this trip to Sunset and got those shopping baskets. And at first, all of the other engineers made fun of me and they're like, really, dude, really, this is your big epiphany from going to Sunset Sound? And I was like, just wait. <laughs> a week later, they were like, dude, you're right. <laughs> I get that's really basic, but that was something that, that saves it a couple trips back and forth across the live room. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of a movie called The Founder, and it's about McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And McDonald's was like a really wholesome, like small town, awesome business that ended up getting sort of stolen yeah. by somebody and then became what it is today. But systems was really what set them apart. Mm. And they organized like, we're going to have the fryer and the freezer and the refrigerator. And they really experimented a lot with how they organized a restaurant. And they literally sat there with a stopwatch and they were trying to figure out how do we save three seconds on every hamburger that we make? Because we don't want to pay an inefficiency tax of three seconds on every hamburger that we make because the employee has to walk all the way across the kitchen to get the buns when if we move the refrigerator so it's right next to the grill so that the buns, you know, whatever, there's systems like that that they have a cyclical impact. 
they begin to pay interest. And I think that's where this conversation gets really interesting. A good example of an assistant like that that I've seen that I just thought was amazing was when I was uh, in my early 20s, I, I went on a trip to Michigan and I got to tour the Hitsville USA studio mm. where they recorded like, you know, all these massive hits in the 60s. And I'm obs- that's like my favorite music. Yeah. Like I just, I can't help but move when I listen to Temptations or, you know, a, a band like that. Yeah. And I walked into the studio and it's this big live room and there's all these XLR cables hanging from the ceiling that are at a, that like the tip of the cable is maybe like at seven feet and they're spaced out in a grid. So the whole studio has this grid of cables hanging from the ceiling and when they want to plug a mic in, they walk in with a mic and there's already a small cable attached to that mic and then they plug it into the microphone that's hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. And they know where it's routed to based on where it is in space and they know that no one's going to trip over a microphone cable or no one needs to coil up a microphone cable and it was just amazing to me that they were that efficient. I mean, they were literally recording about 24 hours a day at that studio. It was nonstop, yeah. day in and day out. So they had to be really efficient. So even something as simple as coiling up mic cables was a huge waste of time for them. Yeah. So they found a way around it. And this isn't a recording studio thing. Yeah. This isn't like an art industry thing. This is uh, industries that have done well and have grown and have found a way to deliver extremely high quality at scale. Mm-hmm. You better believe that at the Tesla factory, that they experimented with how they ran their assembly line and are probably doing it right now and are literally sitting there with a stopwatch and figuring out like, oh yeah, that's a little faster if we do it that way. Right. Cool, all right, we saved two seconds on every Tesla. This was Henry Ford's story. It used to take, I think, a day to build a car. By the time they had systemized everything, their quality... And consistency went up because these are two parts of yeah. of quality. Great if you can make the best mix in the world one day, but then your mix is crap the next. Yeah, and it's not really. There's a problem there. But in the Henry Ford factory, you know, they would literally sit there with a stopwatch and find ways to shave a second off of building a car, and they eventually got it down to I think it was twenty or thirty minutes per car, and a new car would roll out off the line. And by the it, end of this podcast, they will have made a car. Yes. Yeah, crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. Unbelievable. So yeah, there are so many things that you can do in your studio that make you a little bit more efficient. And one of the number one ways that you can do that, because it's a, a room, a physical space that humans move around in, is you just try to find ways to minimize the number of steps that you yeah. need to take to do your job. Yeah, and I want to say too, the reason that I think the Sunset Sound thing, as basic as a shopping cart basket is, the reason that I, I like using that one versus, you know, say a three initial engineer and the things that he does on his console to make sure that everything comes up the same way all the time. Those are kind of things that as, as audio nerds and, you know, studio geeks and musicians and all that stuff, we kind of know a lot about that stuff. But what you don't think about is it takes me 30 seconds every time I like forget a mic cable and I go out there and grab it. Yep. And, so that adds up. That was why I want to use that one instead of getting into the super nerdy of like, well, if you always have your vocal come up on this fader, then you always know where it is, no matter what song it is and all that. Like, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. So let's use where we're at right now as an example. So we're recording a podcast uh, at my office slash studio. I use the word studio only because it has some audio gear in it. There's no acoustic treatment. So my studio is just an office I have that's a you know in this house. And we have a desk that is specifically built out for podcasting. It's like a sit-stand desk that I bought from Home Depot. It's got wheels on it so I can move it around. 
All my power supplies are bolted to the bottom of it. And we've got a couple pieces of gear. I, I have to be lame here because I'm going to explain the rig, but most of it was given to me by different companies, so I, I have to reveal that legally as I tell you about this gear and why we've chosen it. We want to walk in and begin to podcast quickly. And so our signal flow is we've got two EV RE20s that I'm obsessed with. Thank you, EV, for sending these to me. They're wonderful. And they're easy to use because their tone remains consistent whether you're close or far to them, far away from them. There's no proximity effect in an EVRA 20 and that's why I use an EVRA 20 It sounds good, and there's no proximity effect, so the tone stays consistent. That is intentional in this podcasting system. Then next, we've got just some basic-ass mic cables from Amazon. <laughs> Nothing fancy, but they are going through the Ferrari of mic stands, the Ultima by OC White, and it's like a boom stand, low-profile, super duper fancy mic stand that just makes podcasting easy. It's not like creaking or moving while we're podcasting or pinching our fingers when we try to close it. Like those other podcast microphone stands sometimes do. Yeah. They're fantastic. So OC White sent these to me. They're unbelievable. And then after that, we've got the Rodecaster Pro from Rode. Thanks, Rode, for sending me the Rodecaster Pro. It's unbelievable. It's a console built specifically for podcasting. And it works great. And then from there, just to keep things nice and simple, um, we're going into an app called Descript. And it's multi-tracking into Descript. It's transcribing my words as I talk and as Mark talks. And when we're all said and done, we can open up the document that's been transcribed. And if we delete anything in that document, it automatically edits the audio. And then we can export that edit non-destructively and open it in Pro Tools or Logic, whatever we want to. We're not going to. <laughs> we're no. gonna we're gonna publish directly <laughs> from Descript, but that's just an example of like we walk in here and we can press record and immediately begin to podcast. Yeah. It's not like I need to go get mic stands and set them up. They're attached to my desk, and we're in a position to make this as easy as possible, so that we can be consistent and like have fun yeah. making podcasts. Yeah, and honestly, this isn't like a syndicated podcast or anything either. And I think the only way that that you and I would be able to do this is by having systems for it. Yeah. Otherwise, there's just no way. Yeah, we need to be able to show up. Yeah. Have fun. Sit down. Yeah. Yeah, and hang out. Yeah. And man, okay, let's talk about this next item on the list, your computer. Your computer, unless you are really in a weird niche in audio, is your main workspace. And having your computer organized, having a whole file system that's consistent where you're not like, oh, cool, welcome back to the studio. Let's work on that song again. Oh, shoot, which hard drive did I put it on? Like, you need to have consistent systems. One, so that your shit doesn't get deleted on accident. And two, so that it's quick and easy for you to find. And then three, when you've got a consistent naming structure where all of your session files, I recommend that, that you have client folders and that the client folders are called the email address of the client and then you you know dash whatever you want after that. So, you know, Bob at Bob.com dash Bob's music, you know, whatever. If if your client folder is called that, then you can begin to build automation that can find the client folder for you when you want it based on what email you have open or based on any other number of awesome variables that you can begin to automate within your computer. Hmm. So that consistency is the foundation for systemization. No, I messed that up. Organization is the foundation for systemization. My clients are all organized with this folder structure. Within each client folder, I've got my project structure 
And within that, I've got my audio files and my edits and my bounces and whatever. You have a consistent way where it looks the same every single time. This is great for automation in the future. We'll dig into that uh, soon. But it's also great for you as a human being because when you show up and everything looks the same, it keeps your stress down. Yep. Systemization, like the, the reason I'm obsessed with systemization is it makes me feel less anxious and less nervous and it lets me work faster and enjoy my life more. And I'm not freaking out about like scurrying around like a 14-year-old trying to find my favorite toy in my room and I don't know where it is because I don't, didn't I haven't cleaned it. Clean your room. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <That's> your- <laughs> in your damn room. <laughs> we actually we have a saying at uh, uh, Firmix. Whenever somebody puts files in the wrong spot on like our on our Google Drive or Dropbox or whatever, somebody will do like an all channel transmission in our Slack. It's just like clean your damn room. That's funny, <laughs> man. Yeah. Well, uh, and that brings up a good point. As your business grows or your organization grows or whatever, and you get other people involved, your system can't just live inside your head. It has to be something that makes it, and this is a word we're going to use a lot, your system has to be portable. You have to be able to hand it to a new intern or a new assistant or a guy that you're working with, and they should be able to just seamlessly jump in and begin to operate inside of it. Often there's some sort of manual involved in this that explains the whole system. I always recommend to the people that I'm doing business coaching for that they have that manual in a Google Doc and that there are links in that manual to actual screenshot videos. Mm. A perfect example might be, when prepping my mix, make sure that you do fade outs like this. And then you have a video and it's like, blah, 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 blah. The end. Okay, cool. Now your new intern, you don't need to teach that to your new intern. Your system can teach that to your new intern. And if your intern quits and you get a new one, the system can teach it to the new one as well. And they'll quit as soon as they get good. So definitely have this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, having a manual, especially especially for the studio and the computer and the communication, especially for these three things that we're talking about, it's huge because it allows you to establish consistency. Yeah. Not just with yourself, but with your employees, with your interns as well. Yeah, I have an idea for this. A little exercise for everybody listening right now. If you already have a file system that works for you, you can skip this part and hit that fast forward 30 seconds. If not, just get a piece of paper or something or a note or whatever in your phone and just think, uh, okay, I have clients. Those clients have records or if it's not a record, it's songs. And then inside of those songs, I'm going to get files from them probably on most projects, even if it's demo files and you're the tracking engineer. Maybe I'm going to take some pictures of my session setup, so I'm going to need a session photo folder. Just come up with some things that are consistent things for every client. And it's okay if you don't use them on every client, but at least having that folder structure in place is good. And try to decide on on what that's going to be for you. Right now, just put those things down in a list, and then from this day forward, every time that you make a new session or have a new client or whatever, you always use that system. I love that. We'll talk about this an awful lot. I think that every small business owner should, at a minimum, have two hours every week on their calendar, reoccurring on their calendar, where they do nothing but work on their business instead of for it. Now hit the rewind 15 seconds and listen to him say that one again. Make sure that you have two hours a week. For me, when I first started doing this, it was Wednesday afternoons. So I'd have lunch on Wednesday, and then for two hours, I would work on my business and not for it. No client emails, no client projects, no client phone calls, just working on my systems. 
And this is a great way for you to spend that time. I really encourage you, if you're trying to do this for a living, have that two hours every week where you work on your business instead of for it. And if you don't already have a really great file organization structure, go ahead and build it and just stay consistent with it. And trust me, we'll cover this more in future episodes. If you can include the email address of the main contact person in the folder, I recommend that. I think that's a really good move. It makes automation down the line a lot easier because you can say to your computer, hey, I have an email from so-and-so. Can you go find their project file for me? And your computer can be like, well, I see his email is this. And I will use that in order to construct the address of the folder, which I know the files mm. will be in. Bam. Your computer can move so much faster instead of, you know, there's a lot of other ways that you can do this, but they're much slower, much more cumbersome, and much more tricky to figure out. Which, we just talked about email. I think that that brings us to the next type of organization that you need to bring to your business. And that, we've saved the hardest for last, I think. Communication. So if you organize your studio a little differently or your computer a little differently, it will never irk your clients. Communication organization is, Mm. it's challenging because you've got clients that are like, well, I only want to text you uh, when I have revisions or questions or whatever. And if they're really annoying, maybe it's like, maybe they use more than one way. Maybe sometimes they text you. Other times it's an Instagram DM. Other times it's WhatsApp. Sometimes it's email. Sometimes it's phone. And if it's email for like nightmare clients, they've got 14 different email addresses and they use all of them. Or they know your 14 different email addresses (laughs) and they use all of them. Exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And this gets really problematic because especially when it's revisions or whatever, you know, you, you send a revision back to the client and the client's like, hey, I told you that I didn't want those keyboards in this song. And you're like, I don't know that you did. Let me look through the 14 different ways you might have contacted me. And inevitably, when you've got communication going in so many different ways like that, it's going to get messy and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to piss off the client more Mm -hmm. because your communication systems are not organized. So communication organization, I think, starts with having some language that you can share with customers where if they want to text you revisions, you say, oh, awesome, I'll tell you what, just to make sure that I don't make any mistakes because I'm a dummy and I will forget what you've said, would you email me any of these requests so that we've got, and make sure you do it in the revision thread. Mm-hmm. Or better yet, use filepass.com yeah. that my, my other co-host Brian does. FilePass is like a revision system for recording studios that keeps all the revisions in one world and you can put like timestamps on you know where uh, uh, instead of saying like uh, two minutes and 43 seconds you like instead of doing that in an email they can just drop a little flag on that in the audio file in the the website and then can make a comment on that and say hey the snare jumps out a little too much right here yeah so using a system like that where your communication stays in in one place that could be an entire email thread or it could be like i don't think text is good Generally speaking, text is good to like let you know that something's happening. It's time sensitive, but generally speaking, like the problem with working in a studio is that from a musician standpoint, almost everything is time sensitive, Mm -hmm. which just isn't true. It's time sensitive because there's no system. Yeah, it's time sensitive because nobody has any idea what's going on and no one has a plan that allows for appropriate improvisation. Right, and I think the communication organization ultimately begins with limiting 
where you communicate about certain subjects. Yeah. But I think generally explaining to them, like, look, when you're making a record, the most stressful part is at the very end, we're trying to get revisions, we're trying to meet deadlines, and everyone is starting to get a little bit antsy because we're so excited to put your baby like out there in the world and introduce it to the rest of the world. That's really exciting. We want to make sure that goes as smoothly as possible because I don't want you to be stressed about, oh my gosh, we have to push the release date back. Oh, I'm so embarrassed, yada, yada, yada. So there's a lot of stuff that we can do to keep you from getting in that situation. And one of those things is that when we're talking about your project, let's use, you use that email address and I'll use this one. Hmm. Feel free to text me, Instagram message me at all, but just like, that any conversation where there is any actionable related to your project should only stay in this zone. And that will help us make sure that we don't get into this disorganized last minute, like, oh my gosh, he forgot to do the most important edit and we're supposed to release in two hours. Oh my gosh. Oh shoot. Oh, he didn't get the WhatsApp message on that. Right. Like, and the other thing about this too, is it makes you look like a rock star when you do it well. Yes. And you, you explain, is it, you know, it's like a value add. Yeah. Um, makes it look the, like you uh, care yeah absolutely like there's uh on the mixer vision thing too there's not to do a bunch of like product drops here but there's a couple different tools out there for it and one that that we have with pure mix is called mixup.audio and brian hood from the six figure has one called filepass.com and those tools are both amazing because they allow you to drop timestamped comments on on the file where you can say hey uh right here i want this guitar part to come up and then when the engineer goes to check it out, you've got all your comments in one place. They're timestamped. You go in, you yeah. make your revision. You don't then, get the novel email from the client that's like, well, you know, that was my dad's guitar. And, yeah. you know, I know it sounds a little bit out of tune, but like, man, when I was a kid, blah, 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 turn the guitar up 0.5 dB. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or an email where it's just all run on sentences <laughs> requesting revisions or anything like that. Like when your revisions all come in in the same way, that lowers the bar, and in some cases, I think with some of the world's top engineers, they don't need to do their own revisions. Somebody else, their intern or their employee or their assistant or their manager or whatever, should be able to open up that session and be like, well, all that's happening is the, the vocals coming up 0.5 dB. Right. I don't need, you don't need the like guru yeah. to do that sort of work. And if you have a consistent system for revisions, for communication... It's no problem. It starts to become delegatable. And I think for most people, one of their biggest issues is is they can't bring in anyone to help them because they have not systemized things to make those things easily teachable to the people they're working with. Mm -hmm. And everything is, uh, and frankly, like I come from this world myself, everything was like, well, you know, I'm really, I'm a genius. And um, my system, uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of, and then you start throwing out words like um, karma and like magical and, you know, I'm really a wizard. Um, I have actual magical talents. And so you can't, you can't really systemize it. Okay, fine. I, I believe you. Right. But there's a, not everything that you do requires whatever magic that you possess Absolutely. to do that. Yeah. So getting in a position where you're starting to take the simpler things and just make it so you can hand off those things to somebody else. Yes, obviously, keep doing the... the for, for me as a mastering engineer, it was selecting the compressors and limiters and setting them up at the loudest part of the song. 
that was the thing that was that required the most finesse. Yeah. That I'd had the hardest time teaching to somebody else. Right. It's really touch and go to get it to feel right at the loudest part of the song. But when it comes to like a fade out or a fade in, like, dude, like my ten year old could easily do that. Yeah. And we mentioned this in the first episode too, but this stuff is not a taking your uh, your unique things about your artistic taste and all of that. We're not removing any of that stuff again. We're going after yeah. the things that are... Everything but that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the exactly. stuff that messes with your motivation and with your morale. Yes. And that gets yeah. in the way that makes you want to quit for the day. Yeah. Yeah, and I I want to throw something in here. Um, at another. I'm probably going to do this throughout the entire podcast, but I... Uh, kudos to Chris for kind of getting me on the systems train because when I started doing all of these things all the way down to you know using mix up for revisions and everything like when I started having these processes and having you know uh, an invoice system for example that goes to the client they can pay online and it you know is very clear what's happening there like with they're not Venmoing me or whatever and they get or not sending an email that's spot. like go to PayPal and specifically choose friends and family yeah. to avoid any transaction fees and pay me that way. Yeah. You don't do that. <laughs> I had clients, actually, I had three different clients in the last year ask me how I set that up and could I set it up for them. Wow. That wanted, like, they're like, dude, this invoicing thing is awesome. What is this thing that you're using and, and how do I do it or whatever? So there's just, there's parts of this stuff that it's the boring stuff that you hate doing right now. But if you kind of make it awesome, your clients feel it in the yeah. end. It's in the client experience and you're adding value to them. And then they're also going to be like, this guy's got his shit together. You know, they're going to trust you a little bit more when they see how well organized you are, you know, when your response time goes up or, you know, when yeah. you nail the revisions on the first time, that kind of stuff. Totally. Well, and that was the mind-blowing thing for me with my systems. As I began to develop mine with the mastering company, I eventually began getting less revision requests. Mm. And it got to the point where it was like, damn, I'm getting my first version approved 90% of the time. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. And... If a revision request does come in, it was a straight up mistake or a miscommunication on you know bet between the two of us, or I didn't understand their vision, or right. I got the wrong reference track, or something like that, or <laughs> they sent the wrong file. That's not an uncommon thing, right? As well, but yeah, you know, finding ways where you polish up the parts of your job that stink, and your clients do begin to feel that because not only is the process smoother for them, but you're less irritable. Because you're not doing all the crap that you hate. Right. When you've started to find a way to automate all the stuff that you dislike to create systems so that you can automate and then hopefully delegate some of the rest of this process that might require a human, it's a morale booster. When you show up to work and you don't have to do the stuff that you don't like and you can just do the dreamy stuff, for me, which is playing with compressors, like yeah. I love it. It's mm -hmm. so fun, especially wet-dry. Mm. Nerd! <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite i love it and I man apologize it, to your neighbors later it's okay the, the yelling in this building is a normal thing because it's all, only full of creatives nice and uh so yeah someone was yelling earlier while we were recording <laughs> upstairs you'll have that but yeah so i'm in this in this spot where i'm recognizing that systems are not just incredibly valuable for your business but incredibly valuable for your mental health if your business torments you, your like certain types of your work torment you, there's a cost to that too. There oh, is yeah. an inefficiency task that is has an emotional component. And for me, you know, we'll get into this just a little bit. Like I'm gonna 
try to not talk about it that much on this particular show. But for me, I, I got diagnosed with PTSD uh, about a year ago. And I didn't realize it. But the reason I had built all these systems, it was a coping mechanism so that I didn't have to confront various parts of my PTSD. Right. And looking back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the only way. Not only did I survive, but enjoyed my business, but also grew the snot out of it. Right. Like it it grew far beyond my wildest dreams when I started the company, but because I was so efficient. And the more efficient I got, the better I would get at flow state. I would show up and immediately be in flow state, and then I would finish and I'd leave. Yeah. And it wouldn't be like, oh, let's do the really annoying DDPT 2.0 CD authoring. And yeah. Right. <laughs> like I didn't have to do all this stuff that was just annoying. I just did the fun stuff. Yeah. And everything else was systemized, automated, and delegated. Yeah. So that's what this podcast is about. Mix and Master Faster is about creating systems to remove the part of your job that you don't like so that you can major in your majors and minor in your minors. And this is some cool stuff. This is what we all dream about as kids that we thought it would be like when we worked in the studio of like, oh, you get to work with, do fun, creative stuff all the time. <laughs> no, I'm backing up. I'm exporting stems and I'm backing up hard drives and I'm wrestling trying to find that one missing stem from that client that came in from a different you know, there's all this crap where you're just putting out fires all day instead of doing what you actually showed up to do in the first place that's what mix and master faster is about if you want to mix and master faster it's not about finding shortcuts that lower the quality of your work it's about removing the time-consuming bs that wastes your day and that destroys your mental health and therefore relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's about figuring out a way to get rid of that stuff so that you can live in your, let's call it a sphere of genius. Where are you just exemplary? For me, I felt like that was setting up the compressors and the loudest part of the song and the limiters. There's a spiritual aspect of that for mm -hmm. me. If I'm going to be mastering, that's where I want to live. Yeah. I don't want to be dragging and dropping files in and then reorganizing them so that they're in the right order and then adjusting my gappage between gappage, that's what I that's what I like to call it, mm -hmm. between each of the songs. Like I want my system to be like right. and then now my session is totally prepped for me and everything is about where I'm gonna want it as far as gain staging, and I can just sit down and I can do the creative part of the work. Yeah. That's what this podcast is about. That's what we want to talk about. We want to interview the best of the best and learn about their process in regards to that. But yeah, if this is something that you guys are into, definitely feel free to message us on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I'm Chris underscore Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M. Mark, what's your Instagram? Mark underscore Abrams underscore audio. That's A-B-R-A-M-S. Love it. Before we get out of here, last week I told everybody, write down some things on a piece of paper and that you do every day that you know, you hate doing or they're repetitive or whatever it is. We want to hear what those things were because that's going to help us uh, figure out topics for the next episodes and help you guys out more. So if you have that piece of paper, shoot us an email at mixandmasterfaster at gmail.com and we'll be happy to hear those. Awesome. And there's a good chance that we'll be able to address some of those in future episodes of just like here are some automation tactics yeah. um, from your schedule. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, Mark, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you. Oh, yeah. You know what we should do? We should banter on the outro about what happened on your drive over to the studio today. There was super heavy rains, 
It was flooding in the streets. It was chaos, cats and dogs living together. And cats and dogs living together. Total chaos. Ghostbusters 1. Kill Murray. Shout out. My car was actually floating. It was floating. I was trying to punch the gas so it would find the road and take off. And it took a second to do it. And it started going sideways. But I made it here and we got the episode. Wow. <laughs> That's I've never floated in a car before, but I'd you like have a to. Jeep. I'm surprised. Well, that's, <laughs> I, I haven't done as much off-road with it as I would like to, but I'm pretty excited to do more off-roading in the future. My dad actually just got a new house, and it's right down the street from a dirt track in oh, Vermont. Man. And so I'm like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be up to visit soon, dad. Awesome. I'm going to go see if my basement's flooded. Fint- There's a good chance that it will. Yeah. Awesome. Well, tune in next time, guys. Make sure you subscribe, write reviews and all that stuff um, so that you know when we drop our next episode. If we get enough big reviews on this uh, podcast, we'll start recording more consistently and we'll figure out an actual time that we publish on the weekly. Hope you guys have a wonderful day and I hope that you have enjoyed our little podcast experiment here. Thank you so much. Woo.